0: Welcome to the Upland Nation Podcast. I'm Scott Linden. Glad you could join me. A pretty interesting show in store for you. I'm going to share a bunch of thoughts that I've cobbled together based on what I think is, uh, you know, a timely topic. It's training season for a lot of us, training for a whole bunch of tests or just to kind of polish up our dogs from, well, wherever they backslid to last season. It should be interesting and hopefully out of all of that, you will find something in there of use to you, an observation or suggestion, a tip or a tactic that may make your dog's life a little bit easier and thus yours as well. We'll also have the Upland Nation glossary. We're already to the letter F, so get ready for that one. And one more chance to do a solid for one of your mentors. So stick around. If if you got somebody who's really helped you out in the past, here's a chance to possibly help them out at no cost to you and maybe an incredible value to them. So Stick around right here on the Upland Nation podcast. It's all brought to you by Roughland Performance Kennels, Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products, Pointer Shotguns, Dr. Tim's Natural Performance Dog Food, Mid-Valley Claisen Shooting School, Audiocardio.com, and here on South Dakota, the Ringneck Nation. Just back from Omaha, Nebraska, as this is recorded, had a great time at Pheasant Fest, Always nice to get back together, and after two years away, even nicer. So a lot of old friends, made a lot of new friends. Spent a lot of time talking with people about, well, the important stuff. Dogs, birds, where to go. And, uh, like I said, uh, lots of training questions as I was signing and giving away copies, preview copies of my book coming out in June. So... If you're interested in that, just stay in touch and we'll have more announcements as they are ready to hit the shelves, electronic or the real deal. Also saw my first brown flat-coated retriever. Kind of interesting, Signed in books in the Pointer Shotgun booth and a couple folks walked by with a dog on a leash. Lots of dogs, lots of puppies, oh boy. But anyway, they're walking by and I said boy, that's a good-looking German long hair. And they looked at me, and the dog said, huh? So, of course, that opened the discussion, which was concluded with the very first brown flat-coated retriever I've ever seen. Now, maybe you've seen one. Maybe you've seen some of the black ones so many times, and we joked about it, so many times somebody will say, well, wow, that's the first black golden retriever I've ever seen. No, that's not it. It's not a hybrid. No, it's a flat coat, and this one was brown. It was a pretty cool-looking dog, but I tell you, from five feet away, I still thought it was a Deutsch Langhaar. Anyway, You learn something every hour at Pheasant Fest, and I am so glad to have been there. Thank you, everybody, who stopped by to talk, no matter what booth I was at. Okay, in the news, hey, speaking of retrievers, the AKC came out with their top most popular dogs this year. Their popularity rankings are drawn from more than 800,000 puppies and pooches registered with the AKC last year. Labrador retrievers still at the top, tugging hardest on U.S. dog lovers' heartstrings. Yeah, not around here, but still right at the top, almost neck and neck with the German short-haired pointer. This is the first year in my survey of you, that short hairs have actually gone a little bit more, maybe three or four percentage points above the Labrador Retriever in popularity, but you know that'll change again. And interesting to see how that works on the national level and then on our level as well. Short hair is also in the top ten, as well as Beagles. Yeah, they're a hunting dog too. So Golden Retrievers up there in the top ten as well. So hey, we're number one, at least about. 19% of you can say that. And an uh, interesting study by the U.S. Sportsmen's Alliance. My friends over there asked Southwick Associates to, to dig into the economics of hunting and uh, sport shooting. And recently we talked with Jim Cucuruto about those subjects. The latest numbers here, all right, stand up, say I am. We contributed $149 billion to the national economy last year, created 970,000 jobs and more than $45 billion in wages and income in the last measured period. That would be the year 2020. Keep up the good work. I know they got my share, especially in the ammo world, Yeah, we're brought to you in part by Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products. Thanks for having me, Fred and crew, at the Pheasant Fest booth that you had over there. That was a lot of fun. Good to see everybody. Of course, Sage and Breaker products are crafted at the highest caliber. Don't forget to sign up for the mailing list. You'll get first notice on some of the new stuff, some of the very rare sales. And I can't urge you enough to check out the videos at sageandbreaker.com. Learn how to clean your shotgun the right way. I don't care what kind you own. Fred and company have a great set of, I'll call it a library of videos over there. sageandbreaker.com Ian also spent time in the Pointer Shotguns booth. LegacySports.com is where you learn all about their Pointer Shotgun line. The 2022 catalog is now available. If you didn't pick one up at Pheasant Fest, you can get one online. They have a full line of shotguns. uh, Lots of talk about the youth guns that Pointer makes over there. And you know, I was struck by this, and I wrote a little bit about it in a recent newsletter. Everybody looks at the length of pull, the shorter stock, if you will, on a youth gun. But just as important and seldom mentioned by many of the gun makers is how important it is to, to balance that gun. Got a shorter stock, you need a shorter barrel. Well, the youth guns at Pointer have a 26-inch barrel, so that thing's balanced, swings right, and ensures that your new shooter, your young shooter, your shorter-statured shooter of either gender, is getting the most out of their shotgun. Learn more at LegacySports.com. You know, it was a long time ago when the Outdoor Channel asked me to create a second high-definition TV series for them, I'd already created the first one for them, and I said, someday I'm going to write a book, I'm going to call it What the Dogs Taught Me, and they said, we'll take that, and so it became the first bird dog high-definition TV series. Back in 2012, I was introduced to a publisher from New York who uh, said, yeah, we'll take that too. And so, finally, I pulled that book together. It was published in 2013, and it's been, uh, it's been in print ever since. Uh, last year, Skyhorse Publishing decided a paperback edition was a good idea, and that's the genesis of some of the things we're gonna talk about today in the training world. It's going to come out again in June with a new title, new cover. So if you got the old one, hang on to it and uh, buy a new one for your friends. It will. Um, I'll I'll talk more about that down the road. But that and all of the questions I got at Pheasant Fest last, oh, a couple weeks ago now. Um, prompted me to just kind of address some things that aren't covered in, well, they weren't covered in a lot of the seminars I sat in on. They aren't covered in most of the books or videos or anything else I saw out there. So, so let's just jump right in and discuss things that might help you become a better dog trainer during this spring and summer and even into fall because training really never ends. In no particular order, let's just jump right in. So, like me, dogs are sort of colorblind. Their eyes are built differently than ours. They do see yellow and blue, but no red. Kind of like me. Well, they have fewer cone cells. You know, there's rods and cones in the back of our eye and veterinary ophthalmologist I've used to work with a lot, unfortunately, says that that's the reason they can't see all the colors. But there is an upside. Dogs have more rod cells than our eyes as opposed to cones. That means they can see better in low light conditions. Now, those same sort of colorblind eyes are are superior in another way as well. They are built to detect moving objects more quickly than static objects, you know. Moving things are prey. Motionless things are inedible. In the wild, a dog that couldn't tell the difference would probably starve. And you know, even in the yard, you can see this phenomenon at work. Your dog is laying on the grass, just dozing, and then a squirrel is nimbling on an acorn. Nothing. Squirrel finishes his snack and scampers up a tree. That's when your dog chases. So if we know that dogs see motion better than static items, why don't we use it to better communicate? Well, we can. It's pretty simple. And probably by accident I found this out, by hailing my dogs from a distance. You know, I've always used hand signals, but... This one is the one that drove it home to me. I was out there behind our place and we got, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of acres behind the place, forest and BLM. But he was so far away, he couldn't hear my whistle, he couldn't hear my yell for sure. So I started waving my hand above my head, back and forth, back and forth, while I tried to call him. It worked. Now, there are a lot of folks, especially in the retriever world and the obedience world, who would just stick their hand up in the air. And that's what got me to start doing that. But moving it a little bit seemed to catch his attention a little bit better. That's when the light went off over my head. Here's another example. I was talking about this kind of stuff with a pro trainer. And he said, well, yeah, watch this. And he bent over and opened and closed his hand at about puppy level and said, that's how I get puppies to come to me. I open and close, open and close, kind of make a fist and then open it up, make a fist, open it up. And the puppies are intrigued by that motion. So they come over and investigate. Duh. Watch a retriever trainer. You probably see him throwing imaginary baseball in the direction he wants his dog to go may not be a baseball, but he's pointing in that way, and his arm is making a big arc to the direction his dog should go. The dog watches that arm, does the about face or the right face, and streaks down the line, ideally to where a dead duck awaits his retrieve. And, of course, the old standby that still works, When you're training a very young dog to come, if the open and closing fist thing doesn't work, run away. You're a moving object. You're prey. Well, at least deep down inside, that's what his subconscious probably thinks it is. You're training to mark to retrieve? All right. Well, whether your dog is sitting or standing at a woe, I'll put my hand kind of like karate chop, you know, in my dog's line of sight over his head so that it is the hand that points his eyes towards the dead bird. Just before I send him, I give my fingers a little wiggle to make sure he's looking straight down that line. Well, he is a wire hair, and I am the trainer, but it works more often than not. In the field, same thing. Kind of a variation on the first one. When I want my dog to move left or right with arm signals, I start with my arm overhead, arc it down to point in the direction I want him to go. Then once I do that, once the arc is complete, I'll use a little bit of jazz hand, move my fingers and my hands just a little so he still sees it. One of the reasons why a lot of trainers will use light-colored gloves, for example you can see that movement at the end of the arc. It sounds silly, but it works. And here we're looking for clear communication between us and our dogs. So don't feel too bad if you don't get a call to uh, audition for Dancing with the Stars, but know that your dog is doing better as a result of it. Okay. Oh, worst coffee I've made in hours. Um, I'm Scott Linden. This is the Upland Nation podcast. We're talking training tips today. Um, Mark that one somehow and let's move on to the question of timing because with dog training, timing is everything. It flashed again on me just today as I was reading something by a trainer I respect and know and who... Uh, thank you, Phil, has judged me in any number of NAVDA tests. Uh, luckily, he's very kind and understanding. But, you know, somewhere in your life you've heard the term tell. In poker, that's the guy who can't help it, but he shows whether his hand is good or bad based on facial expressions, the way he talks, the tone of voice, whatever it is. He is telling you... How his hand looks. Well, dogs have tails as well. You can probably recognize some of them. They clue you in on when your dog is getting birdie. Yeah, for some of you, it's it's a dog's tail motion or the direction it's going. Sometimes it's their pacing or literally pacing, you know, the way they're walking. Now, the other thing... Is they will give you some hints, some subtle, some more obvious, when they're ready for direction. And so in our training regimen, knowing when a dog is primed for direction or correction, for that matter, is critical. When I was a teacher, we learned that there's what the term is called learning readiness. A kid or an adult for that matter, is only ready to absorb knowledge, to learn a new skill at certain times. Many of them are, of course, based on age and maturity and that sort of thing, but other times it simply is the time right. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for a dog that is ready to take direction or commands or correction. I call it the golden moment when he's most amenable to doing what you ask him to do all right the rest of the times you're wasting your breath your emotional energy you're wasting training capital capital out here behind our place it's uh it's a ground squirrel we all call sage rats Uh, this time of year they're starting to get active coming out of their hibernation So um, Flick is really interested in all the places they've been, especially where they're hiding at the moment. It's usually a downed tree, but it could be a hole or a pile of rocks or whatever. And he's got nothing else on his mind when that happens. I can yell, scream, hit the collar, and uh, anything short of a nuclear holocaust is not going to get his attention, let alone get him to follow direction. All right, so don't. Save your breath. Save your training capital. Corollary to that, Delmar Smith, legendary pro trainer, years ago said, never give a dog a chance to fail. So if you're given commands, and I don't care what the volume level is, and the dog is not obeying, you've just wasted your training capital. The dog does learn something but not what you hoped. He learns he can get away with murder instead. So anyway, the younger the dog, of course, the more um, less golden moments you're going to have. They're distracted by everything from butterflies and Tweety birds to the sound of their food rattling into their bowl. But as they mature and your training progresses, They will start to manifest some of those tells that I've talked about and be more likely to listen to you and pay less attention to, well, let's call it the siren song of roadkill. Keep your expectations in an appropriate level and maybe something will happen. What kind of clues? Well, the non-compliance clues are pretty easy. I talked about sage rats. It could be another dog. It could be another person. It could be the raven that's flying overhead. When he's in predator mode or he's distracted, save your breath. But there are times in his, well, in any given period when the dog will instead be looking for the next thing to do. You know, they're linear thinkers, habitual in one way or another. That's why we Call them creatures of habit. Run, stop, pee, run, smell critter, run toward it, look to the boss. Hey, there you go. If you're timing your commands for those points when the dog is looking for a command, all the better. Not when he's chasing a whitetail. You can yell, whoa, as many times as you like. It ain't going to happen. But, Here are some others. (laughs) He's running past. He will, I can guarantee you, he will look at you. It may be just a, a glance, but when he looks at you is the time to give him that command. When he stops, right after he pees, before his leg hits the ground again, perfect time. Right after a good shake, he's got nothing else distracting him. And again, howling at a neighbor, jogging pass, is not the time. Speaking of not the time, <clears throat> if your dog is hungry, I mean really hungry, training is probably not going to have a lot of impact. They're distracted by something that's way more important than following your direction. I've had it happen over and over and over. Every dog, and I'm on my fifth one. We're working on a drill, and it just Oh, no wonder it's not working. It's six o'clock. Dinner time. I'm sure you've had that happen. How many times have you been convinced that your dog can actually read a clock? (laughs) Anyway, remember learning is a gradual process. All baby steps. I don't care what the age of your dog. The yin of your direction is constantly buoyed by the tang and yang of sweet temptation. Only repetition, gradual introduction of distractions will help you tilt the balance in your favor. So, remember his tells. Remember when he's ready to take direction. Hell, I had a I had a wire hair, my very first wire hair, old Bill, he taught me a lot about hunting, but he also taught me that when he was so confused he needed my direction, he would just sit down and look at me. Now we know a lot of retriever trainers who, who insist on that, but Bill was just a wire and I was just an inexperienced trainer at the time. He sat down. That was the ultimate tell for me. So anyway, uh, remember that your dog is looking for direction, but not constantly stand by watch him i ask you time and time again how closely do you watch your dog in the field that's how you shoot more birds that's how you get better performance out of your dog watch and learn Oh boy, we have a whole lot more to come here at the Upland Nation podcast. I appreciate your listening. I hope you're learning something from all of the stuff that I'm just just riffing on here because I think it's important based on what I've learned yet again in the last couple weeks from Pheasant Fest, some of the emails and Facebook messages you've sent me, and then all of the stuff that I'm digging up for our weekly newsletter. Uh, We're going to have a quick little break here. Then we're going to go on with some more training, advice, suggestions, tips, and observations that you might find interesting from uh, how your dog sees things literally on to uh, what kind of rewards are probably best depending on where your dog is in his career. We'll also have our Upland Nation Glossary, and like I said, chance for you to do a solid for one of your mentors. uh, Help them out in a way that may be very personally rewarding for both of you. So stick around here at the Upland Nation podcast. We're brought to you in part by audiocardio.com. Here's one of the benefits to having better hearing. Situational awareness while hunting. This is a hearing wellness app. Audio Cardio.com. That's where they came up with the name. It's kind of like a workout for your ears. It's just a, an app. You listen on your phone with your earbuds. You don't go anywhere. You don't have to do anything. In fact, you can do it while you're doing anything else. It's kind of sound therapy through your phone. Start strengthening your hearing today with a 14-day free trial. Watch the two-minute video at audio.com. Cardio.com, and you'll see what I'm talking about. I'm working on it right now. So, hey, let's compare notes in the next few weeks. Had a great time at the Roughland Kennels booth at Pheasant Fest as well. Good to catch up with Doug, my good friend, the founder of the company, the guy who's a bird dog man. We're hoping to pull another hunt together this year in South Dakota. More on that to come. But in the meanwhile, Doug takes his bird dog experience and puts it into every roughland kennel and every roughland accessory to go with his kennel. The new color of choice for me is Millstone. Of course, they have a lot of other colors. If you really, really jonesing for a blaze orange kennel and matching accessories, they have them. All sorts of new accessories out there from fans to water carrying devices to bowls and Uh, Their water hole is the one I like most. That's the kind of the the square thing you can set up right. It won't spill. You lay it down the other way, and the dog gets access to that water. Learn more about all their products at roughlandkennels.com. And welcome back to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Uh, just kind of uh, vamping on the stuff that uh, seems to have tripped some triggers at Pheasant Fest in terms of training and then seeing all sorts of allusions to other things like that. Talking puppies, we're talking adult dogs, we're talking about juvenile and, uh, uh, you know, in-between dogs. Some of this stuff might be of value to do, to you as well. Um You know, this one just hit, this has hit me so many times. I just had to to put a photo of this somewhere recently, and and it was obvious when I did that. Maybe I'll do a video on this as well. Um, Clarity of hand and arm motions. You know, there's a right way and a wrong way. And, you know, if you want to sound intelligible, you speak clearly. If you want to confuse them, but you rock like this or you talk off the microphone a little bit or you do other things that just booger up your speech. Well, if you're using hand and arm signals to communicate with your dog, the same thing can happen. Save your sanity. Use your hands in concert with your head. Watch for movements that confuse your dog, especially Flick. You know, he's been held back two grades in obedience school already. Think about this. We've all done it. Give a signal with your left hand while your right is sticking out. You're just mumbling to your dog. Watch what your gun does from a distance. You may be giving that signal with one arm while your other arm is holding the gun, pointing straight up, hopefully in a safe direction. Hide it. Move it down. Use it in concert with your arm. That might be the safest place to put it anyway. You're sending mixed messages otherwise. Here's an easy way to fix that. Put your other hand in your pocket. I like things really simple, if you hadn't figured that out yet. When I'm simple and my commands are simple, my simple-minded dogs and I get along way better. Eliminate those hidden obstacles that create failures to communicate, whether it's your hands or your voice. Okay, so way back before there was GoPros, we were pioneering dog cams. It was a little harder back then. We had to jerry-rig just about everything from the harness to the cameras. But we did it. And we used them for a while, both on on the TV show and also in some of the videos, the training videos that I've done over the years. Well, when you play back that raw footage, two things happen. First off, there's so much vibration. You're going to get seasick. And I think that's really the reason most people are not using it anymore on TV. The other reason, or the other the, the other observation I made, I should say, is when I played back the footage, it was an eye-opener. Well, it was an ear-opener. But more importantly, it was an eye-opener and an ear-opener. From now on, I vowed back then to be more clear and add audible clues to most of my hand signals. Now, the main reason is, well, where's your dog's eye level? 20, 24 inches tops off the ground if I'm again using hand signals and only hand signals sometimes there's something in between him and me that blocks his line of sight it's a simple geometry problem every tree bush rock and hummock between him and me could block my hand signals so when I can I will use audible signals as well. You know, the commands you always use. All right. Think about your last geometry class next time you're in the field. Add audible signals to your hand signals when you can. But more importantly, we'll talk in a few minutes. I think we will. I think I got that in my notes here. Yeah, I do, in fact. Um, Think about how noisy it is over there. We'll be talking that in just a moment. But first, this one just it, it just it irks me as a TV producer in particular. For the same reason it irks me as a dog trainer. You've heard the term, the eyes may be the window to the soul. They're also the portal to your dog's understanding of commands. And, like I said, as a TV producer, they're also a great way to lose viewers' interest. When your host or a guest on a TV show is wearing sunglasses, you're not seeing their eyes. The window to your soul. Yeah, that's right. Dogs, in particular, though, are great readers of body language. So, your voice may be given the command, his ears may be hearing it, his his eyes then are searching for... I don't know. Is he looking for the fact that it's you or that you're sincere? But I think your dog needs to see your eyes to complete the transaction. Dark glasses, just like a burglars, old time burglars mask. Prevent that. Take your glasses off when you're given commands at the at the minimum. And if you can and you do and you should, wear shooting glasses, well, wear clear lenses or, you know, maybe light yellow, depending on what your preference is. But if your dog simply doesn't obey, it may be because he thinks you're some giant alien space bug instead of a human being because he cannot see your eyeballs. You might also consider beards and unusual hats. And then, of course, up until recently, those stinking face diapers we call masks. I've seen all of those cause conniption fits in some dogs. All right, while we're on the subject of uh, looking, looks... People say I should have stayed in it because I have a face for radio, but here I am in TV as well now. My dogs know, instead, that my face can help them become a better hunter. You ever thought about this? Bird dogs key on your body's most visible, brightest component. They try to keep it in sight. They look to it. That's why one of the tells. They look to you. They're not looking at your waist. you are not looking at your legs or your feet. They're looking at your face. Hence the dark glasses problem. Well, bred dogs will always try to stay in front of you and they know it's the front because they can see your face. How do you use this to your advantage? Okay. Quite often, just walk the direction you want your dog to go. Cooperative dog will try to put your face behind him. He only knows that by looking back at you. Great, another opportunity to give him a command. But you want him to change direction? Turn that way. He's going to want to get in front of you so he can see your face. I know, it's basic. But do you ever think about these things? In the NAVDA testing system, there is a point where our dogs have to search for a duck in the water without direction fundamentally if you want a high score you can't yell you can't scream you can't use hand signals you can face the direction you think the duck is in any hunt dead retrieve in any spot can be directed by your face as much as it can be directed by your yelling and your screaming and worse yet you're stomping around in the area, adding human scent to whatever scent you hope he will pick up. So look in that direction. Let your dog use his best skills, scent, energy, sight, without you cluttering it up, simply by facing that direction. Your face can be a shining beacon in a wilderness of mystery and problematic retrieves. Yeah, I know. I know. He may not have the best aesthetic sense, but your face may still be the best thing he's seen all day. Yeah, it's the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden. I appreciate your sticking with me. Hope you're uh, learning one or two or at least three things and uh here's one that i think we probably ought to end on we're getting close to some of the other stuff we want to talk about so stick around but i mentioned those dog cams back in the day and uh you know they had very sensitive microphones as well and while you don't generally hear that stuff with the few guys who are still using those on tv looking at that raw material um and trying not to watch too carefully you remember seasick um You hear an incredible amount of noise. Your poor dog, when he's racing through the field in a hunting situation, um, there's a good chance he's not disobeying you. Don't jump to that inevitable conclusion. He may not be stubborn. He may not be disobeying. He may not be able to hear your commands. Think about it. And this little dog cam we used to use just drove it straight home to me. First off, remember that dogs hear up to ten times better than we do. Another good reason to get ahead of him before you pull the trigger on a pointing situation. You know those little pops and crackles we, um, we create when we're walking through brush? Well, to a dog, it sounds like a train wreck. Add to that the tags jingling from his collar. Maybe you have a big bell on that collar. The screeching wind. Your footfalls. His footfalls on dry leaves. Worse yet, a beeper collar constantly, in, you know, in interfering with his hearing and his own panting. All of those are overwhelming any verbal commands you might be yelling into that freeway accident. Good argument for hand signals. Good argument for taking crap off of their collars. And a good argument for giving your dog the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it's just a flock of Canada geese honking or the churn of moving water as he's looking for a line from you in, in a lake or a pond. There could be another dog whining in the blind or At a hunt test, there's a dozen dogs behind you watching you. Man, as if you didn't have enough pressure. It's no wonder your dog might bungle his job once in a while. They can't hear your commands for all that chaos at ground level. So if there's doubt in your mind about whether your dog can hear you, add hand signals or your whistle. Call his name and wait for his acknowledgement before you give the command. Just cut him a little bit of slack. Oh, I could go on and on, and I I will in future, but at this moment, I am appreciative of your attention on this topic of training season and some observations that may help you down the road or later today. We're brought to you in part by Dr. Tim's Natural Performance Dog Food. Here's your homework assignment. Go to drtims.com and find out why your dog needs a mix of proteins from air, sea, and land sources. drtims.com. We're also brought to you by Mid Valley Clays and Shooting School, the perfect place to sharpen, well, the shooting game you kind of slacked off on last season. If you need help shooting or you need a new shotgun, Mid Valley Clays clays.com. Shoot any of the Clay target games right there in Western Oregon, coming through or if you live in that area, check out midvalleyclays.com We talk all about training today, but maybe you need a little bit as well. And welcome to the Upland Nation Glossary. I'm Scott Linden. Uh, This was one of the funnest projects. I I actually started this project in the airport in Kansas City. It was the first thing I started writing when I first started writing my book. A lot of you chipped in in one way or another, and I appreciate that. All the words that may confuse us or enlighten us. Uh, I tried to put them all down. It's also available at findbirdhuntingspots.com. So dig it up there if you really want to get ahead of the curve. We're only to F and we're to F because I had, I cannot believe this. I found no E words that we needed to learn. Now, I'll make you an offer. If you know an E word that should be in a glossary about bird dogs, bird hunting, field trials, and that sort of stuff, Send it to me via the Facebook page. You can um, instant message me there, and I'll send you in return one of the few remaining preview copies of my book. All right, F is for Flick at our house. That's my current wire hair, but it's also for for dogs like him. Furnishings. Yeah, no, no, not no, not. No, I don't care what she wants. We're not talking about home furnishings. We're talking about dog furnishings. How their hair, their eyebrows, their whiskers, their tail hair, their leg hairs, their feathering, and all those other things. Look. In many breeds, first off, the furnishings were bred into dogs for for practical reasons. You know, that those bushy eyebrows and whiskers keep... Lots of other stuff out of their eyes and their nose, for example, and that's critical. Other times, they're just pretty. But whatever it is, all that stuff is called furnishings. Hey, welcome back to our friends at Huron, South Dakota, the Ringneck Nation. I'm headed there again this fall, and maybe I'll see you there. More to come on that. Learn all about the 40,000 acres of public access right there around town at Hunt. Huronsd.com. They got the Ringneck Festival and Bird Dog Challenge, but then also all that public access. So, whether you're a competitor, you're looking for camaraderie, or you're looking for a whole bunch of public access ground that you can hunt at no charge, go to HuntHuronsd.com and learn more about the Ringneck Nation of Huron, South Dakota. And our friends at Audio Cardio ask, Who's your hero? And I spell that H-E-A-R-O-H. Yeah, Audio Cardio is that app. It's kind of like physical therapy for your ears. If somebody's positively impacted your hunting life, whether a mentor, spouse, friend, parent, by now they might need a little help with their hearing. We're giving away three year-long subscriptions to the Audio Cardio app. Physical therapy for their ears. Nominate them at the Wing Shooting USA Facebook page. Just Look for that post that's pinned at the very top. Who's your hero? And good luck. By the way, prizes for you, prizes for them, all chosen at random, plus those three free full year Well, it's about time to thank you all, once and for all, for listening, for leaving ratings and reviews. Appreciate your help. I'm glad to answer more of your questions. As you know, every week in the newsletter I do that, and I will do that anytime I can in any of the other ways that we communicate. Between now and our next gathering, I'll leave you with this from Captain and Crew. He says, money can buy a lot of things, but it doesn't wiggle its butt when you come in the door. I'm Scott Linden. Thanks again for listening. Until next season, I'll see you at the range.